Father, we sang a song, Fix Our Eyes on You, and when we do it as well. Everything, Father, that we've sung about, <clears throat> the songs we've heard have focused in on what it means to engage in you in a relationship that we can tandem with you that moves us towards peace and rest. And we need that, Father. So guide our thinking even now as we journey ahead. Amen. Nancy, thank you for the great banners you put up all the time for us. I appreciate that too. Thank you. Destination last week, luggage this week, playlist, and community. We're on a journey. We're on a journey together. And of course, we have some luggage up here. My dad would take us every year, a couple times a year, and we'd go on a road trip. There's 10 of us, eight kids, and we'd pack into the big station wagon we had with all the stuff on the top, and he'd take us to Florida. Or he'd take us to Colorado every year or so. My dad would take us places all over because he loved to take road trips. But can you imagine 10 of us in a car? That was before seatbelts so everybody could sprawl all over the place, you know. You got four little heads in the back looking out the back there, you know. At the same time, in my extended family, we have a member of our family that he, he lived in over 80 years and he never left his county but one time. Only one time did he take a road trip out of the county in over 80 years. Can you imagine? So we want to focus in on on a road trip this morning. But let's look at some people who are carrying some heavy burdens on the road. Kevin, let's look at some slides. How about that? I'd like to be driving that thing. I don't know where in the world they're going, but look at all that stuff. Let's look at the next one. How about that? You ever seen a vehicle like that down the road? Not too often, do you? How about that one? I don't know where he's going, but I hope he's not going very far. This one is even worse. Look at that poor guy on the bike. Can you imagine carrying that kind of burden around as on your journey? How about some individual people? How about that individual guy carrying all that stuff, all that luggage, all that stuff on his back? That's kind of an encumbrance, isn't it? What's the next? Now that when I had it put for the two kids, isn't that cute? That's not so big of a suitcase, but two little cute kids. Got to show that one. How about that? I don't know how far he's going. And then the last one. How about that one? Wow. I can't imagine carrying that kind of burden that we have. When we were on our trip to Israel, there was something that was very, very concerning as we were on it before we left, is that we would only have suitcases under 50 pounds. And there were many of people that were worried that their suitcases were going over 50 pounds. Can you imagine on the trip? Also, one of the <clears throat> planes said that we had to have only 17 pounds on our back that we can carry into the plane, only 17 pounds. So people were very, very concerned about that. It's very difficult to go on a road trip without loading down on things that we want to take with us. It's hard to economize and shrink down as we are on a journey. And having too much luggage on a road trip is analogous to to having a lot of baggage on the journey of life. It's true, and for all of us, every one of us has baggage, and every one of us has burdens in our lives. Everyone. The passage that we Holly read for us is universal, because it encompasses everyone. Everyone has baggage. Everyone has burdens in their lives. And the question for us to think about this morning is, what is yours? What are the heavy burdens that you carry? What are the baggage that you carry in your life? And then becomes the most important question, how do you handle these burdens? How do you handle them in your life as you journey on the journey, this road trip of life? The great prophet Jeremiah 
In chapter 6, he says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask what is good, the good way is, and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you say, we will not walk in it. Here's a passage as the backdrop of the New Testament passage, because all the New Testament passages find their origin somewhere in the Old. And Jesus is referring to Jeremiah chapter 6 and the burdens that they were bearing, that he hoped that they would, would, would look at the ancient paths and walk with him, was that they were experiencing disaster. They were ready for the, the destruction of Jerusalem and it's simply a product of their disobedience. They had simply forgotten God. In the New Testament, Jesus is addressing that issue in the scripture passage that was read. This happened in Jesus' day, that they also were experiencing difficulties because they had forgotten God. And I dare say in the world we live in, I fear that we are going down the same path. For they and we have forgotten God. Jesus, who everything he teaches comes from the Old Testament, he personalizes this Jeremiah passage, and he personalizes and applies to himself. Not just to come to the ancient past, the ancient ways, but to come to him. He personalizes it. But the Lord says in the Old Testament, seek and ask for the ancient ways, the ancient truths. Walk in them, and if you do, you will find rest for your souls. And as we think about Jesus, he wants, us to, he wants to be there to help us. He wants to help us in the journeys of the burdens that we bear on the journey of life. And so this passage in Matthew, I think, is one of the most important ones. If I were you, I'd memorize that. I would keep that close to you all the time. Because I think it's such a critical, important passage. Jesus wants to engage in your life as the burden bearer. So what were the main burdens of Jesus' day? Well, much of them were the same that we face. They were weighed down by the responsibilities of life and the burdens and cares. They also were under the the privilege of Rome and the repression of Rome. They experienced both. They experienced much of what we experience today. But the primary one was religious burdens, particularly in the context of this passage. The religious leaders tied heavy loads and they laid them on the people's shoulders, but they never even would practice them themselves. They were good at laying the burdens on people, all kinds of restrictions on people, but they never practiced it. And that's seen in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus goes after them very pointedly. You see, Jesus was addressing the legalism of his day. Paul was addressing the legalism of his day. And we must confess that we grow, when we grew, many of us grew up with much legalism. However, today, the primary issue in the church, I don't think, is legalism. I think the primary issue in the church is license, which the Apostle Paul addressed very pointedly. Nonetheless, we do lay heavy religious burdens on people today, extra regulations, burdens that God never desired, never wanted us to bear. He wanted our burdens to be lighter. So turn to Matthew chapter 11 and look at that passage, 28 through 30, that that great passage that Holly read for us. In the context of that passage, prior to the, that, that verse 28, there's a prior context, and it speaks about providing um, peace and rest to handle the burdens of life. And Jesus wants us to understand that he has an intimate relationship with his Father. He wants us to understand when it comes to bearing the burdens of life, he wants us to experience rest. He is in one with the Father. They are in unison when it comes to the issue of where to go and what they provide. He wants us to understand that. How many times do we see in Jesus' writings, particularly in the Gospel of John, that the Father and the Son are in tandem, in union, as a part of the triune God? 
And he wants us to un- them to understand that. The latter context after this passage deals with one of the difficult issues of their day, which was the Sabbath question, one of the centerpieces of Israel's moral legislation. You see, the Sabbath was very critically important, and we understand the history of that in creation, in Israel's history, going into the New Testament where Jesus provides rest to us. And, and Paul, he says, well, if you are, if you are a Sabbath, one who keeps the Sabbath, do it unto the Lord. But if you're not like the Gentiles, if you have all days, do all days unto the Lord. He said, be not a special day. For them, all days are important. But the Sabbath was very important. So they, they did all kinds of what's called fencing in the Sabbath. All kinds of regulations that surround it so that you wouldn't violate it. Not just keeping the Sabbath, but let's make sure you all the layers and levels so that you don't violate it. And today, in Orthodox quarters, here are some, what they call fencing in the Sabbath. Uh, applying makeup. Can't do that on the Sabbath. That's dying, like dying like clothes. You put the correlation. Don't, we better not do a blood test on the Sabbath. That's like slaughtering. You can't slaughter on the Sabbath. You can't polish your shoes. That's scraping. You can't scrape on the Sabbath. Smoking a cigarette using the tele- telephone is kindling a fire. Can't do it. Switching off electric light extinguishes a fire. Can't do it. Wearing eyeglasses that are not needed. You can't do it. That's carrying. And the list goes on and on and on. And there's 39 main regulations that they try to fence in the Sabbath, and then they added layers of that. The intention sounds good, but what does it do? It lays heavy burdens beyond what the Sabbath was intended because Jesus says the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. It's a different, it's a tirely freeing perspective. It's made for human beings and the well-being of human beings. And of course, Jesus came square in the face of the Pharisees when it comes to a lot of these issues. When I was growing up, we, we had to keep the New Testament Sabbath, Sunday. We always went to church. And there were many other things that we couldn't do, but it was rather arbitrary. Can't go swimming. We can play football, tackle football. And I, stood, I never understood that. We play tackle football. Can't go swimming. I always wish that many times, and I have a wonderful family. My, my parents loved us dearly, and they cared deeply about our spiritual interests. But sometimes I wish I wish they simply said, this is what the Bible says, and this is family rules. Just keep family rules. They don't have anything to do with the Bible. Just keep them. It was all mixed together, you know, and that's where the legalism comes in, doesn't it? All kind of mixed together. I was out to visit my daughters and my grandchildren just last week, and uh, Sunday morning I went with Jacob to Walmart to pick something up. Walmart was closed. In North Dakota, all the places of commerce are closed. Some guy pulled up in, the, in, a, in a van and rolled down his window. He said, it's closed. We are part of the Bible Belt, he said. <laughs> but they're going to change that in August, by the way, and eliminate those rules in the last bastion of North Dakota. Let's listen to what Matthew says. Come unto me, all you who are weary. Let's unpack this for a few moments, and I will give you rest. Again, everybody is weary, and everybody has burdens in their lives. This is universal. Some of it to greater extent, some to lesser extent, but we all carry heavy burdens in our lives. The centerpiece of Jesus' teaching here is you've got to come to him. It all flows from an intimate and a personal relationship with Christ. If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, that God brings about through what Christ has done for us, a trusting personal relationship with him, you are not going to experience the deep inner peace and rest that only comes from Jesus. 
And I don't say that flippantly. You know, we hear people say, just Jesus will solve it. Come to Jesus rather flippantly. There's nothing flippant about this. If we're going to experience real inner sense of peace and rest in our lives, it is only comes virtue by Jesus and the tandem together with the Holy Spirit because the triune God is in unison with one another. It all flows from the relationship with Christ. If you don't know him personally, this passage will become irrelevant for you because peace and rest only comes through him. And by the way, all the wonderful obedience we can do and be obedient to Christ and follow him faithfully and think that by virtue of that is where we experience this deep inner sense of peace, this deep emptiness that is filled. It only is filled by Christ because he's the one who fills it. You don't produce it yourself. The inner peace comes from him. He says, come unto me and I will give you peace and rest. And when Jesus does, he provides refreshment for us. He provides freedom over guilt and shame which which grips us, which is such a heavy burden in our lives, all of us. He frees us from that enormous weight of shame. And he delivers us from fear and despair because he offers us hope. You see, this inner peace he offers is not inactivity. If you think rest is just kicking back and cessation of work and, you know, kind of kick back, no efforts made, you're fooling yourself. It's about the, the inner peace that allows us to navigate worship, navigate service for Him. It's not inactivity. It's engaged in a relationship with Him. But how do we get that rest? Comes via Christ, via Christ. But how do we get it? Take my yoke, the next phrase. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle of humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. You know, there's a lot of imagery of the yoke imagery that some people have a number of suggestions, but the most logical one is that the animals, the oxen or what, would be tied together with a, a wooden yoke that would link them together. It's known that one provides the, the direction to go. The other provides the, the inertia, the push, and they work in tandem. It's so important that they work in tandem. He says, take your yoke with me. I'll provide the direction. You come with me and, ta- and, and engage with me. But you have to learn from me. For I'm gentle of heart. That's where you find your rest. Again, it's not a free ride. Discipleship requires extraordinary effort. But it's not a dead-end ride, folks. Jeremiah talks about the ancient paths. Ancient paths. Jesus says, learn of him. They're not incongruent. The same teachings. But pride comes in and we often say, I can do it myself. I don't need him. I don't need him. I can do it on my own. We can never navigate the spiritual life alone. Never can we navigate alone. But he's gentle and humble of heart. Oh, if the people of Jesus, they only had a Savior who was, that they could see that was, was gentle and humble of heart. Matthew 23 gives the religious leaders who are brutal and repressive. And often if religion isn't, isn't moved by the, deeply by the Spirit of God, it can often become brutal and repressive. But Jesus is tandem together with the Holy Spirit. They always acknowledge. In fact, the Spirit acknowledges and lifts up Christ. Folks, I think we'd be a whole lot better to allow the, the sweetness of the Spirit of God to change people's life than forcing change on people. There's something that's better when the sweetness of the Spirit of God, we pray that God would work in the hearts of people, that is gentle and not brutal. And that's Jesus too. He says, I am not repressive. I will not dominate you. 
I just want you to work with me. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Paul says, and as God who is in you to will and work to his good, great pleasure. Finally, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus makes it easy. He says, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. Now, of course, that's that he simplifies that to maximize it. That's not a negation at all of the, of the ancient path of the moral law at all. That comes to bear underneath the umbrella of loving God and loving one another. But we don't have to sacrifice anymore. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Christ in the book of Hebrews is the last sacrifice, the ultimate one, that frees us up to, to incessantly do sacrifices? Because of Christ, he frees us up. We don't have to do the dietary laws, even though they have meaning and purpose to them that are important for us. We don't have to do them because Jesus has declared all foods clean and harken back to the creation. Loving obedience, he's looking for, rather than demands of religious achievement. He's looking for loving obedience. My yoke is easy. I don't want to make it difficult for you. I don't want to make your burden light or hard. It is already in life. I want to lift up that burden. And so where is our focus today, folks? Are you burdened? We all are. I have burdens almost every day that press in on my life. Are you engaging Jesus? Are you learning from him? Are you consistently engaging and learning about the unbelievable character and digest the teachings of Jesus? If you are not, if you are not engaging in a relationship at that level, you will not experience the kind of rest and peace that he so deeply desires that you do because we have to learn from him. And let me leave you with a greater closing hope. Hebrews chapter 4 said, the rest he's talking about is not the final one. He says, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And you take that whole principle of rest and take it all the way through the Bible and Jesus takes that concept to help us navigate through life now. But it all points to our eternal resting home. And therefore, folks, even though we can have an inner peace, we will always feel uneasy in this world. We have an uneasy feel because, folks, we're not home yet. We're pilgrims traveling for a better land. We're not home. Jesus works in our hearts and gives us that that inner peace in life. But we have, there will always be an uneasy feeling. There must be, because we are not home. But folks, in the meantime, Jesus comes to you and says, I want to help you with your burdens. Lord, I need you. And he says to us, just do your part. Just do your part. Amen.